Hello, my name is Jared. And my name is Elle. And you, my friend, are listening to the New Leaf Project. This is a podcast where we feature the stories of starters and planters from all the little nooks and crannies in the Canadian environment. And I'm really excited about today's podcast. I usually am excited about today's podcast because we're telling uh, real stories of real folks getting real things started. And today's podcast is about a guy that we met in one of our early experiments. Al, you want to fill people in on who Terrence Shilstra is? Absolutely. We met Terrence and his wife, Karen, and they were um, guinea pigs in our first iteration of our current discernment pathway. So they were kind of um, discerning at that point when and where and how they were going to plant this missional community. And we had the privilege of walking with them through the early days of their of their wonderings of what God would be doing. And so we got to meet them through that and they are located out in Thorold, Ontario. That is where their missional community is. And Terrence wrote an excellent book called Peace of the City, a handbook for missional communities. We didn't get to publish it. Some other fancy publisher published it, but nevertheless, he is a Canadian author who wrote a Canadian story about their missional community. And so we wanted to share his story on the podcast. And I just want to encourage our listeners at the New Leaf Network, we are interested in telling the Canadian story. And one of our favorite little bingo card items that always makes us laugh is listening to Canadians apologize for having taken the time to tell their story, to write it out and make it understandable to other people. Um, I don't know why Canadians uh, consider this uh, a high crime or misdemeanor, but they do. And uh, it's, it's hilarious. And so one of the things that I like about this episode, I want you, dear listener, to pay attention and see if you can spot the moment where Terrence, in true Canadian fashion, apologizes for having the audacity to tell a story and make it so you can understand it. So just going to leave that as a little uh, to-do project for you. Really do encourage you to check out this book, but we'll talk a little bit more about that uh, after the interview. So let's roll it. L. Pike, Terrence Shilstra, talking it out. I am here hanging out with Terrence Shilstra today from the good city of Thorold. Hello, Terrence. Hey, how's it going, Al? Good. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. I've been meaning to chat with you about the good work that you and your wife and your community are doing in Thorold. Um, and then you wrote a book and that gave me a perfect excuse uh, to chat with you. So for those people who may not know you, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and your community, your family, all that good stuff. Mm, yeah. Well, yeah, my wife, Karen and I, we live here uh, in downtown Thorold with our four kids. And if you're not familiar with downtown Thorold, it's it's a under-resourced neighborhood. Uh, so about one in four uh, kids actually live in poverty in our community. So we're currently um, planting a church um, or a missional expression in downtown Thorold. And we've been at it for about seven, eight years. And then over the last uh, couple of years, we've really been ratcheting it up and, and really focusing um, on getting a, a core team together, a launch team. So we have a, an amazing, amazing uh, leadership team that has come together over the last two years. 
And uh, yeah, it, it's just been a, an amazing journey that uh, God has been leading us on here in downtown Thorold. That's awesome. I had the, the privilege of getting to know you and your wife. You were uh, one of the first guinea pigs for our um, discernment pathway. So thank you uh, for yeah. letting us try out a very unrefined process on you. <laughs> it was really great to get to know you guys. So thank you so much for participating in that with us. Yeah, and it was awesome to be a part of that. And I hope that others yeah, will plug into that because it was a real blessing to Karen and I. Um, yeah, and we still often think back to that experience of just really coming to know that, yeah, this is exactly where God has called us to be. And that's what the discernment process is all about, you know, where God's calling us in the ministry in our particular context. So, Well, that's great. I'm so glad that it was a benefit for you. You wrote a book. And this in the Canadian context is no small feat, my friend. So tell me <laughs> what inspired you uh, to write the book? Hmm. Yeah, good question. So I would say a couple things. One is um, the things that God has been doing in our community are just so good that they had to be written down. So first and foremost, it's, it's a story of how God has been at work in our community. So as I said, we've been planting a, a missional expression or missional communities here in downtown Thorold uh, for the last seven years. And um, we can talk a little bit about that as we go on, but the focus of what we've been doing, uh, the ministry is we've been focusing on the inner city, um, serving among the under-resourced in our community, and in particular serving in an inner city school and um, as we've connected with the inner city school and got to know our neighbors there and love on them in the name of Jesus, we've just seen amazing transformation in people's lives. And we've seen amazing transformation in the school community and, ar and around that, that school community. And yeah, so, so through what God has been doing in that community and through and in our community here at the table, we call ourselves the table, um, yeah, there's just these amazing things that were going on. And, and that's one dimension. The other dimension was as, like, as we were doing ministry right here in the crucible of our community, I was also going through um, an in-ministry program, uh, an MDiv at Tyndale University. And in that program, I started reading uh, two guys that really, really inspired me. And they were St. Benedict and St. Francis, and they wrote these rules for missional communities, like rules that defined what it would look like for them to live uh, in community as followers of Jesus, and they wrote in really challenging times, and uh, yeah, we, I think we live in challenging times as Canadians, and so what the book is, is it's called Peace of the City, and really it's a blend of our experiences in our community and it's, it's reflection on scripture and reflection on uh, both of those documents, the rule of St. Benedict and the rule of St. Francis. That is interesting. I have never heard anyone connect those things to kind of missional movements and expressions before. So kudos hmm. to you for being inspired by that. that that's pretty interesting. Yeah, it, it, it's what I learned the most about um, Benedict and, and Francis is is they were just nuts about serving their communities. Like they just loved 
their neighborhoods in the name of Jesus. Like take Francis, for example, like the Franciscans were mendicants, which means they moved into urban centers to love their neighbors in the name of Jesus. And when we, th we think about monastic communities, we often think about the cloistered life. Like they, they would get together, they would hang out and they would just kind of be with themselves. But that wasn't what their primary purpose was. Um, actually, Benedict wrote on that. He wrote, uh, yeah, in his rule, how, you know, we need, to, we need to come out of isolation as Christians and as a community. And, and Francis, yeah, he, he wrote about that as well. How we need to get out and, and love the poor, love the stranger, love the other. And uh, yes, it, it just completely changed my um, mindset as, you know, I, I had this conception what monastic communities were. And uh, having read it, entangled with it, I, I have a com completely new lease on, on missional communities, both, yeah, uh, historic and modern. So then, Terrence, how would you then define what a missional community is? Hmm. Yeah, good question. So I write about it in the book, and the way I put it is, is a missional community is a group of people who actively participate in God's mission to engage God's world uh, according to his word. And if you ever read Christopher Wright before the mission of God, that, that's central to Christopher Wright's book. And, and I pirated kind of his thesis of the mission of God and kind of shaped it to, to missional community life. And, and I've gone to say that a missional community is neither a program uh, nor an inward focused small group. Um, it's a movement of regular Christians living out God's mission in their community. So fundamentally our mission um, as the great thinker Christmer Right says is the committed participation as God's people at God's invitation and command again God's command in God's own mission um, in our communities. So um, as people who carry around the, the mission of God in our DNA, uh, both as Christians and us as a community, and we are sent to live on mission uh, in our, our neighborhoods. So missional communities are yeah uh, the 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 extension of what god is doing through us um as communities um who, in a particular context so in your i love that definition by the way in your experience in your community in the world or just um missional expressions in general that you have heard of how do you find that missional communities actually affect their community mm. yeah Good question. So that's the next part of the, the definitions that I get into in my book. So um, the way I put it is we uh, affect our communities in three ways. Um, one, through growing up in our relationship with God. Um, two, we grow in in our relationship with each other as a community. And three, growing out um, in our relationship with our community. And it's those three rhythms that defined missional life for, for Benedict and Francis, and those three rhythms define life for us as a missional community. So, so growing, growing, growing up with God. And so to, to give an example, that looks like, uh, you know, whether it be in our discipleship relationships or, you know, at our, our gatherings, um, we're opening up God's word and we're, we're just reading it out loud and we're just asking the question, um, yeah, how, how is God present in the text? Uh, how is God speaking 
to us and how is he inviting us to respond? So just growing in our relationship. Um, I, I have a, a little secret that maybe I sh should admit here uh, in this podcast, and that is um, on a week-to-week -week basis, I don't write sermons, for example, for our community. So when, when we grow up in our relationship with God, um, we open the Bible together. You know, in our discipleship relationships, we open God's word in our gatherings, and we explore um, the, the goodness of God together as a community. And that's one of the ways that we, we grow up. And then, you know, we grow in as a community. So, you know, we, we hang out, care for each other. We, yeah, as, as much as possible, um, care for the, the needs within our community. And then we find ways to love our community in the name of Jesus. So it's those three rhythms that define us. I have heard, and I'm sure you've been around the block too, the word missional gets used an awful lot. And for a hmm. while, it was almost uh, used so often, at least in circles I ran in, probably you would be the same. It almost kind of like lost its meaning. Like I didn't even hmm. really know what we were what we were meaning by missional anymore. How, how would you define that word hmm. uh, for those of us who maybe have heard it before, or there may be some people who haven't? How, how would hmm. you define missional? Hmm. Yeah. Good question. So first, first and foremost, um, God is on a mission. God is on a mission to rescue and restore the world through his son, Jesus Christ. So God in himself is, is missional. He's a missional God and he loves the world. He loves us and he's on a mission to cultivate relationship with us. So that would be my definition of missional. I mean, yeah, God is on a mission. And then as, as an extension of our loving God, he invites us um, to, uh, yeah, to live by his spirit in our communities in, in a way that touches them with his love. And, and that's what it means to, to be missional. Now, now I, I agree with you. It's a, it's a very common term. Um, maybe we can might even call it a trend over the last 10 years to be used in the church. And honestly, we don't even use that word in our community. We don't, we don't call ourselves missional communities, although that's what we are. We, we call ourselves the table and, you know, the table is where, a place where, you know, people can come and belong. But um, we, we do talk about this, this idea, you know, that, that God is on a mission. And uh, yeah, and that, that is central to, to the things that we're discussing and learning about, um, about God and about yeah, our calling in our community. In your book, by the way, it's a great book. So congratulations on writing a good book. You you talk about um, some of the missional or the practices that your community kind of holds together. I know one of them is, um, I think, radical hospitality mm. or um, and caring for the poor and the powerless. So how, mm. as a community, when you gather or when you kind of imagine yourselves at your best, <laughs> what are some of the missional practices that you as a community do together? Good question. Yes, so our, our primary uh, practice is hospitality. So, you know, I'll, I'll start on the personal level. Yesterday was Monday. And so my wife, Karen, and our family, we woke up and it's the summer. And, and, and normally as, as a pastor or leader, we have to think about, you know, what are we going to do today? Or what, we, what are we gonna be about, you know, on this, on this day of work or ministry? So for us, Karen and I, um, we, we had, I think, 
four of our neighbors over during the day, including um, newcomer neighbors. Um, they're an Iranian couple and we had them over for lunch and we just um, yeah, got out the, the peanut butter and bread and, and <laughs> a little bit of fruit we had kicking around and just hung out with our neighbors and just practiced radical hospitality. And over time, we've been able to, to share our faith with them. And um, yeah, we, we had coffee with a neighbor up the street. Um, she's visually impaired and she comes over and stops in on a consistent basis. So, you know, e even as I think about my role personally as a leader, my, my role is, is to practice hospitality and, and to model that in the community and, and then invite others to, to um, yeah, adopt that as a, as a life practice. So that, you know, that's on the personal level. And then um, as a, on the community level, you know, whether it's in our discipleship relationships, like we're, we're sitting down, we're, we're having coffee together or having lunch or just kind of whipping up something to eat and sitting down and, and talking about, hey, yeah, how's, how's it going for you in your walk with Jesus? And, and uh, yeah, just sharing hospitality together. And then, and yeah, for encouraging people to invite their neighbors over to share meals with them. Um, at our gatherings, we always eat. That was really hard for us during the pandemic. We're just starting to get to the point where we can gather and have food around again, which is really, really good. But uh, yeah, that's, that has been central. Um, one of the central practices is, is hospitality. You in your book talk about um, being with um, the poor. And so you did mm. mention at the beginning of the podcast about mm. um, Thorold being like, uh, what was your, what was your stat? I, I don't remember. Yeah. One, one in four kids in here in downtown live in poverty, poverty defined as living without suitable housing, food, and clothing. Yeah. That, that seems like a stunning amount of people. Um, mm. um, how, what are some of the practical ways that you have been able to, as a missional community, serve mm. in your context, knowing that you're kind of up against this backdrop of, of poverty? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Good question. Um, yeah. That's a tricky one because there's so many different approaches that, that, that the church has um, you know, philosophically, how to engage with poverty. And one thing that I have learned from yeah, ex exploring scripture or the life of Jesus even, and um, exploring um, the life practices of St. Benedict and St. Francis is what I think is key is, is just living with, like living with the other and, and just sharing life together. And um, yeah, through that and sharing, you know, sharing in common the things we have, sharing um, a table together, or just you know, sharing our lawnmower, or sharing our weed eater, or you know, sharing resources, you know, let, letting each other borrow our car, that kind of thing, whatever it might be, just sharing together. Um, I think that is the way that we um, are called as Christians to to engage. Uh, under-resourced neighborhoods. And, and like I said, there I know there's a lot of different approaches that, that churches and, and Christians have to engaging poverty or under-resourced uh, communities, but um, that for the last uh, seven years has been our practice. And, and we've seen, um, yeah, really, really cool um, yeah, stories of, of transformation of, of how, yeah, how God has 
transform us. Um, and yeah, how we use, use transform other people's lives. So for example, there was a, about six years ago, we met a guy and he was sleeping on the park bench and um, Karen and I met him. We got to know him a little bit. We prayed and we invited him to come live in our basement. It was really kind of a huge risk. And he, he lived in our basement for a little while. Uh, we shared life with him and uh, he since got on his feet. He's got clean from drugs and now he's, you know, he's working full time and get this. Now he's a leader uh, here at the table, um, you know, six, seven years later. And, he, and he's discipling young men. And, and just the other day, or I should other day, a, a few months back, he invited his neighbor over for lunch, got to know him, um, shared his faith with them. His neighbor came to Christ. And just this past Sunday, we, we baptized his neighbor. And uh, so it's just this, this story of how how God has invited us to live with and uh, used, um, yeah, that practice of, yeah, transforming us in this, this friend's life. That's a pretty incredible story. <laughs> you don't, uh, or maybe I just don't hear a ton of stories like that. That's, that's, that's pretty incredible. Um, mm -hmm. Being around church planting conversations and sort of conversations about, you know, remissioning or reinvigorating the church in Canada. Uh, I think there's lots of talk and I love the talk and I love the idea sharing mm. and I love the encouragement, but sometimes it feels, and I will confess in my own life, um, the talk is so much easier than the walk, <laughs> than actually mm. executing and doing it. Mm. Why do you think uh, so many Canadian Christians, if I may be so bold to say this, mm. struggle with actually putting the action or the feet behind some of these ideas. What, why do you think we struggle with this? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a great question. Um, and, and really it, it's, it's central to the ideas that I talk about in, in my book. And um, I'll often say that the heart of what I've written in the book is to help Christians and the church move from proposition to practice. And, and you're right. We are really, really good at propositions. Like we're just, we, we have the mission statements. We have, you know, all the, the nice lines, um, you know, that we are the signs that we hang in the back of our church or the signs that we hang in our house. <laughs> and that's important. Um, but what does it look like for us to actually live that out in the crucible of community and, <laughs> all, all I can say is like my personal experience and what I've seen God do in our community. And I touch on this in the book, it happens incrementally over time. You know, and, and I, I would be lying to you. It's saying, you know, you just need to make one bold leap, you know, into the unknown. Um, I don't, that's not my experience of how God works. Um, what I've experienced and what I see, you know, what, I think we even see in scripture of God working in the life of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is God works incrementally over time. And yeah, and that, and the invitation increases over time. And that's true in my life too, where you just, you take one small step of living it out, of, of, of walking the walk. And then the next day you take another step and then, you know, after a year, you, you, you've taken 365 steps and it just happens incrementally over time. And uh, that, that would be my encouragement to, to Christians, to churches, 
is just to take you know one small step of faithfulness and the next next day or next week take another step I like that encouragement. I also like that you're not offering a simple, <laughs> um, you know, like, yeah, one bold leap and everything will change, you know, like, I appreciate that you're, you're being honest about it. It's, it's, it, it really is small acts of faithfulness over time, mm. kind of a, accumulate into something mm. meaningful in a community. Mm. So I like that you um, are outlining that. Where have you seen some of those small faithful acts starting to multiply in your community? Mm. Yeah, yeah, good question. Yeah, so I started a conversation. I was talking about um, serving in the inner city school. So when when we first got plugged into the inner city school, we went and talked to the the principal, um, the leadership at the school, and, and said, you know, we'd like to serve. And they they were really reluctant at first, and we were reluctant, and. But we just started, we just talked to them, you know, what are some of the, the needs in the school? And they, they responded by saying, yeah, we just feel like there's not a strong sense of community in the school. So we said, what, what if we host like a dinner each month? So we did that. And it was just one small step of just going and talking to our local school. And then it was one small step of praying and asking God, like, what is it? What is the one thing that we could do to to cultivate um, community in this school. And, you know, it started there. And after five years, we were having community dinners in the school where we had on average um, 40, 50 people, and in some cases over a hundred people come out uh, every month. And we had opportunities to cultivate relationships. We um, had like a early on, we had a young family uh, connect with us and come out to our our, uh, our gatherings, um, they, they end up coming to Christ and they, they were baptized, them and their two young children. And, and um, over time, we've just seen this inner city school transform from, um, yeah, a, a really kind of rough and tough school. A, 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 I remember hearing stories of um, when we first connected where parents would come to the school to drop off their kids and, and the parents would get in fights, like actual fist fights um, by the gate when they drop their kids off. And we, we just don't hear stories like that anymore. Don't hear stories like that. And another quick example is we, a part of our, our community here at the table, um, there's, there's a woman who actually, she's a teacher and she actually felt called by God to go and be a teacher at this school. So she was at a nice school, you know, with it had a lot of resources and that, and, that. and um, she went and so she's she was a kindergarten teacher and now she's a grade one teacher and every single kid in that school needs to go through her you know this this wonderful Christian woman and she's making an amazing impact on that school and it just took this small step for her you know to to pray and say what how is God leading me how is the Spirit inviting me to to serve uh, with focus intensity in our community. And that was the outcome. And we just seeing amazing transformation. And, and, and I got to say that there's so much more to do. Like there's so many more steps that God is inviting us to make. And um, I, I even talk about that in, in my book is um, having a common mission. And a common mission is so important because it will literally take generations. It will take generations um, to see um, positive transformation 
in our community. I mean, it's happening, but to see really um, long lasting positive transformations, we really need to be uh, focused and intense uh, on those small steps. So. What you're describing to me sounds, even the way you, at the beginning of our interview, you sort of shared like how, you know, you're, you don't prepare sermons, mm -hmm. <laughs> you guys kind of read the Bible together. So all these stories that you've been sharing about the table sounds to me like you are, as a leader, you're embodying uh, a different kind of pastoral leadership. So what, at least it sounds that way to me. So mm -hmm. what, um, what are some of the key markers of being in leadership or leading a missional community because it sounds a little different than the typical uh, pastoral kind of leadership role yeah what are the key markers um yeah i i come back to this yeah this topic that i talk about in, in the book is what does it look like to live out a community of practices that are rooted in the life of jesus rooted in the life of scripture and and um yeah I, as leaders thinking about, you know, just take, for example, one of my favorite stories in the Bible is, is where Jesus calls Levi and he's, you know, Jesus is walking around and along and he bumps into Levi. He's like, Hey, let's, let's go to your house and have some food. And they go and hang out there and everyone's wondering like, Hey, why are you hanging out with this, this awful guy? Who's this worse of sinners? It's like, um, how many times do we actually do that as pastor leaders in our community on a week-to-week -week basis? Because, I mean, that was a practice of Jesus. He did it all the time, like literally all the time. He did it with Zacchaeus. He did it with hundreds of others, you know, where he was hanging out with the, the marginalized. He was hanging out with the most hated in the community. And, and people were jabbing at Jesus, be like, why are you hanging out with those people? But he did. You know, and if, if Jesus is the head of our church and if Jesus is our model for life and ministry as pastors, like, um, maybe, uh, maybe we should try to look a little more like Jesus. And, and I, I'm saying that, not, I'm not saying that lightly because it's hard. It's hard for me and uh, I struggle with it and it's not easy. And I mean, <laughs> I fail at that in a lot of ways. Um, but uh, yeah, just to begin to think about what are the practices of Jesus. When you talk about all of the new, like the opportunities that still are on the horizon um, for you guys and your community, mm. what are some of the things that excites you as you kind of, um, you know, we're recording this in the summer, a lot mm. of the restrictions are lifting, uh, lots of people are double vaxxed. Um, so what are some of the things that you're kind of looking forward to um, moving forward into the fall? Hmm. Yeah. Yes. That's a great question. So one of the things that's, that's kind of cool that we're looking forward to is we have um, two elderly women and I, I shouldn't even say that. Is, is that an okay word to say elderly adult, mature adult ladies um, at on our table leadership team um, who have been praying about doing something for seniors here in our community. So we, we have um, a couple different table gatherings here in downtown Thorold throughout the week. So we have our, um, like a women's gathering that my wonderful wife, Karen, leads on Friday mornings. Um, we have a men's table on Thursday. We have um, our table gathering on Sunday nights. And, and they're thinking about 
doing a gathering for seniors in, in our community. And yeah, there, there's a large senior population here in the downtown and um, a, a lot of them uh, under-resourced and, and they've been praying. Um, and I've just kind of been walking alongside with them and we'll continue to walk with them just praying like, yeah, how is God in, in inviting us to engage this other dimension of our community, the, um, the mature adult um, members of our community. And, and it, in fact, I, I just had a, a conversation with a, an old professor and mentor, Donald Gortz, about how, how to um, cultivate a cult culture of eldership in our community. And maybe that can be a whole nother conversation, but that's an, an emerging conversation that we're having. That is really exciting. Um... Yeah, that 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 is exciting. I I like your mature adult. That's a good that's a good word to use. <laughs> so reading your book and and seeing the faithfulness of your community and uh, just the faithfulness of you to kind of put th these things to uh, paper. How does it feel to be a published Canadian author? There's not, mm. you know, there's not a lot in the Christian scene. So how does how does it feel? And what was that process for you as a leader to write the book? Because mm. you are really writing about your community. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it was a process of, of pain, reluctance, and grit teeth. Um, <laughs> uh, I still, to this day, just hate talking about it. <laughs> Sorry to say, I don't like talking about the fact that I, I wrote this book um, called Peace of the City. Um, yeah, it's, it's hard for me to talk about, but um, a, a quick story. It was the last day of that in-ministry program. At Tyndale that I took, and I was walking out with my uh, good friend Jervis Dakota, um, and uh, he, he said, "You know what?" He said, "You're so you're so good at doing local ministry," and you know, he said, "I can see that inspires you." He said, "But don't go through your life, don't go through life in ministry without sharing the stories of what God is doing with the world." You know, and it's just like, oh man, why'd you say that? <laughs> And uh, yeah, I, I think that is our responsibility as Canadians in a Canadian context is to share the story of what God is doing uh, in our community. Yeah, both, both, both with other Canadian leaders and, and the world. I mean, cool things are happening here, here in, in Canada. And um, an, another quick thing is like, as, as a missional community here at the table, you know, as, as we were growing as a community, I, I was thinking as I was, well, I'll just start by saying, yeah, we were growing as a community. And I was thinking like, how are we going to disciple um, a generation here in this community? Like what resources can we use? And it like every resource you pick up, it's, it's a, it's an American publisher or the, you know, you know what it's like, right. And you know, it's, or this discipleship process from down in Southern United States or something. And like, that just doesn't apply to our context. And I was kind of frustrated by that. And so I, that was another impetus for starting to write. And, and, you know, and I even talked about in the book, let's say that primarily the book was, was, a, was a discipleship resource for our community. So, I mean, if you're thinking in, in your community that you're looking for a discipleship resource in a Canadian context, grab the book and, and it's, and it's not meant to be prescriptive, it's descriptive, and maybe there's something that will cultivate your imagination for, for discipleship and, and for you as a community. 
I love that you're apologetic or somewhat dis, you know, upset with yourself that you wrote a book because, uh, as I've mentioned before, everyone I've ever talked to, uh, who's in the Canadian context feels that way. And it is, it is fascinating. Um, but I do appreciate that you push through that because I couldn't agree with you more. We need to share the stories of what's happening in the Canadian yeah. context. We need yeah. to create resources and tools for Canadians in the Canadian context because you're right, it is it is different. And so Peace yeah. of the City, a handbook for missional communities certainly uh, is a great handbook for Canadian communities and a, a great book. So Terrence, mm -hmm. thank you for your faithfulness to write a book even though you didn't want to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry, we should apologize for that, right? That's a yeah, Canadian that's right. thing to do. That's right. If people wanted to get, I mean, we could talk for a long time. We should have you back on the podcast. I'd love to hear more stories of uh, what you guys are up to. Um, but if people wanted to get a hold of you and wanted to get a hold of the book, um, right. what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, one of two ways. So they can check out peaceofthecity.ca or they can email peaceofthecity at gmail.com. That's awesome. Terrence, any final words before we go? No, uh, other than uh, I just want to encourage New Leaf and, and all that you guys are doing. Um, Karen and I and the table community have been so blessed by you guys over the years. And uh, I just want to encourage you and know that you guys are loved. And uh, yeah, and, uh, just know that we love you. Thanks. Oh, that's so kind. Yeah, we, we have a special place in our heart for you guys out there in Thorold. So thank you so much for taking time to be with us. And again, yeah. thank you for writing this great book, Peace of the City, a handbook for missional communities. You can go and grab it, and I'm sure you'll be blessed by it. So thanks for being here, Terrence. Yeah, bye. All right, that was our very own Michelle Lenore Pike and Terrence Shilstra. So what can we learn from this? Well, one of the things that I think um, I have really appreciated when I read Terrence's book is, friends, a lot of the stuff, uh, when people throw around that word missional, it can be pretty esoteric. And what I like about Terrence's book is it's, it's a gritty story. It's, it invites you down into the nuts and bolts. Uh, and it's not afraid to tell you we had the wrong idea when we started and it went this way. And when we followed this uh, little path of breadcrumbs, we, we wound up somewhere we didn't expect. And uh, I've always appreciated Terrence is a no-nonsense dude. And I really like him for that. Um, and uh, got to know him through the discernment pathway in those early days. I loved getting the chance to share a little experiment of our own uh, with him. And I love, uh, I love seeing how the investment that we made in starting something new turned into somebody else uh, starting something new. And that's just, that's just always gratifying and exciting to me. Elle, we have a discernment pathway starting. And maybe uh, one of our listeners out there is um, in the mood or is, is wondering if God is stirring something inside them and uh, how would they get involved in the discernment pathway if they wanted to? The best way to get in contact with us is on our website. So newleafnetwork.ca, 
if you want to get technical, it's like a slash with discernment pathway. Um, but you'll find that on the menu bar um, what with the um, information. But yeah, let us know um, if you'd like to find out more information. We would be happy to connect with you. And really what we're, we're trying to help people um, understand is to find their way. So um, even with the given shifts that we've seen uh, over the last year, uh, so much of many of us are just feeling this step that we kind of have to step into this new world of ministry and that being able to walk alongside other people across the country who are in the same places, really, it's an interesting way to cultivate community of discerning self-aware leaders who are wanting to propel new communities forward. So in collaboration together with some spiritual um, leaders that we know, Jeff and Jan Steckley, this, this discernment process was created and really the goal is that we would find our way together. And so it's holistic, it's communal, it's practice oriented, it's a safe resource rich environment for you to ask questions, learn some things and to work out in community how God might be directing you. So it was such a pleasure to, to walk with Karen and Terrence as they decided what they were going to do and then to see the manifestation of it in this book, which is really a, it's called a handbook and it really is, it's very practical. It shares their story. It shares their mistakes, the things they learned along the way, and then how they've been able to continue that in community as they've walked this out and thoroughly. So that is the discernment pathway. And I really appreciated Terrence coming on the podcast and sharing. I did love that he was apologetic or or sense that, you know, like, oh, gosh, great, I have to write a book about this. But I am grateful that Canadians are doing this work because it's, it's a great book, it's worth a read. And if you've got a group of people that are considering how to start missional communities, or even how to take an existing community and sort of steer it toward a more hospitable, sort of practical presence in a neighborhood, this book will help you, you will, you will not have wasted your time reading it. And it's something that you could read together in a group. I, I totally agree. And, and Terrence is, is all about the group. He's a, he's a, he's a very communal, he and Karen are both very communal, uh, communally minded in the way that they lead. Something else that might uh, occur or might be a need for one of our listeners is uh, if you are uh, at the brink of wanting to start something new. We are uh, going to be hosting a new leaf design shop uh, November 19th and 20th. Um, still don't know whether or not it's going to be in person. I would say for the foreseeable future and maybe never ever stopping, we're always going to be doing events that are uh, hybrid. So if, so for instance, this design shop, we, we tentatively have a book to be in the GTA. Uh, but if you aren't in the GTA, but you would like a practical course on how to take something from the idea stage and make it a, a living reality. Well, we're going to be uh, connecting November uh, 19th and 20th. We're going to have some pre-work on video. Uh, we'll get started sometime in October, uh, culminate in an in-person slash hybrid uh, event where we're really going to get down into the nuts and bolts of, of how you take your ideas and make them make them practical, make them live, make them spin, make them whir, make them work. And uh, so that's going to be uh, another opportunity. Another opportunity we have, and this is something we discovered over the pandemic, is the Learning Center. Elle, do you want to tell us a little bit about the Learning Center and how people uh, can get involved with that? 
Absolutely. So uh, each week we meet online on Thursday afternoons. Uh, we meet there at 1.30 p.m. Eastern, and we essentially hang out together in community online, and we bring a Canadian leader who has cleared a unique path in the Canadian landscape. The Learning Centre exposes us to new ways of thinking. It sparks our imagination and really tunes our heart to the things that God's already at work doing in our country. And so really it's an opportunity for us to learn together. Um, it's a transformational kind of space. We've had some incredible speakers, Canadian speakers right across the country. We kind of dive deep sometimes on a topic for a month. Sometimes we kind of meander around a little bit on different topics, but um, it's thoroughly Canadian. It's for Canadians and it's, it's presented by Canadians. So come hang out with us. We would love it. If you can't make the live times that we also have a recording that we offer, we offer that for a monthly subscription um, or a one session pass if you're interested in a certain topic, but We've really been able to connect with so many people during the pandemic and we we hope that that continues because even though I can't wait for us to get back together in person, um, there is something really nice to be able to connect easily uh, coast to coast, which as we know is sometimes really hard to do in person. So come check us out the Learning Center. You'll find a link for that on our website, newleafnetwork.ca slash learning center. And I just, I, I, I can't encourage folks enough to join us there. Lots of schemes are hatched. We also have um, the New Leaf Cafe, and it's sort of a place that you can hang out. It's absolutely free, uh, and it is uh, happening on Wednesdays and Fridays. We're going to have to address the fall schedule at some point, uh, how, how, how sustainable that's going to be uh, once things start opening up again. But on Wednesdays and Fridays, it's, is it 1 to 3 again? I think it is, right? Mm -hmm. Eastern. I don't live in the Eastern time zone. So sometimes I have, I, I get stuck in the translation loop there. Yeah. It's a place where you can meet with practitioners and just hang out with people, uh, ask questions. We've helped people with their sermon prep there. We've helped people hatch schemes. We've introduced each other to brand new books, ideas, conversation topics. It's where we solve all the world's problems. So uh, if you want to come check that out, we meet there twice a week and you can uh, connect there on our website. So friends, I think that's about it. We're really grateful to have you uh, with us. Continue subscribing to our podcast. Consider uh, subscribing to our learning center. Um, lots of amazing resources. And, and for our subscribers, they have access to uh, an incredible back catalog now of, of really important Canadian information. So friends, that's it from us. I have been Jared Siebert and my co-pilot has been Alpike. And we are grateful to have you with us. So we'll see you soon. Bye friends.